It's the Where the Wild Things Are podcast bonus episode, full audio of one of our interviews. Welcome to the Wild Things podcast, Where the Wild Things Aren't, and I am glad to be joined tonight, today, whenever we're recording this, <laughs> um, by a good friend, a colleague in many counts, and honestly, just a a brother in Christ, uh, and we go way back, so uh, probably 30 years or so uh, in ministry in some ways, but just thankful to have this guy as a part of my life, and um, looking forward to the conversation we're going to have for you guys on the podcast. Jamie Shell is the pastor at Minneapolis Christian Church in Avery County, and uh, Jamie, first, thank you for taking the time to join me. Glad to do it, man. Anytime. Glad to do uh, anything to help a brother out for sure. Well, you know, hopefully we can bring knowledge to some folks. We've had some conversations about what does it mean to be a Christian, to live out a Christian example, especially when we're facing something like a pandemic. Um, let's just start where all this really kind of started in our conversation, and that is the hatred, man. Uh, <laughs> the hatred of people. In our communities, the hatred of folks, just the back and forth arguing that's been going on, uh, a whole lot of um, almost seems like just a lot of social uh, anxiety, I guess maybe is a good word. But I mean, I know you've seen it, too. We've had those conversations. <laughs> But, you know, how how do we approach things like this, man? I, I Ultimately, through God's word, uh, and for those that are listening, the topic of this is going to be, you know, finding peace in anxiety, uh, you know, kind of like finding peace in the living as a Christian in a in a peace less world, maybe. <laughs> You come up with better words than I do, but I mean, living more or less just living as a Christian and what that looks like, how that translates in a time like this. So I guess first things first, man, I, how? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard time for a lot of people, of course, and uh, it's it's hard to know where everyone is as far as each individual person, where they are uh, in their faith, where they are um, just in their situation. And there, uh, there are situations I, I can't even fathom with, with this pandemic where we've had, of course, people who have lost loved ones as a result of the, the coronavirus. You've had people who have uh, contracted and, and recovered from it, even, you know, here in our, in our county and my in my day job, as I like to call it, uh, you know, over the newspaper, every day I, I'm, you know, and you know this too, Philip, from your work with the station. Yeah, you're you're always getting, uh, you know, updated with email and information about the virus, about about how many people in the county from the, which I, I credit our local health departments here. They do a tremendous job as far as keeping us updated on a daily basis. Now I do give them a, a shout out for that. But we, we get these updates, and, and it's it's tough to see the numbers continue to decline and see the and and to we, we sometimes I believe lose sight of how each of those numbers represents somebody, mm -hmm. and it's somebody we don't know what, where they are, 
physically. We, we may not have a clue, of course, where they are uh, on a spiritual level. And it almost seems to me like uh, after a point, we've kind of gotten a little bit, uh, I guess, fatigued, I guess would be the word I would use, with, with all of the information and everything going on with, uh, with what we're dealing with in this pandemic. Right. And I think in all that noise and in all that fatigue, we, we have to be very careful as, as believers and as, as uh, followers of Christ to not let that noise drown out the still small voice of God. Uh, that 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 whisper that that we still uh, hear within our own spirits, uh, of course, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and, and I believe that sometimes in that noise uh, that tends to try to drown that out, there are other voices, uh, voices of dissension, uh, voices of divisiveness, uh, whether it be from a, a a spiritual, whether it be even from a from a political perspective, and and those things tend to try to want to divide us and take away that peace that you mentioned. Uh, it wants to replace that peace with, with uh, chaos. Replace that that serenity with with uh, uh, fracturedness. I guess is a word I'll use. Uh, I write a timely truth every week for for the paper, and I wrote about uh, a couple of weeks ago about serenity, uh, about finding peace in a time of chaos. Right. And this pandemic has really tested so many of us uh, about trying to find that peace in our lives, uh, trying to find that that place where we can take our anchor and we can we can root it deeply um, into the into the soil well you know uh, of, of Christ you and I have had this conversation probably many times and even though the situation has changed mm-hmm. the circumstances haven't right. we still have to be aware of who we are as children of God as Christians and you know in Matthew like the, the four most comforting words for me, in the midst of this entire pandemic have not been, well, I mean, okay. It comes in groups of four. First, thy will be done. You right. know, thy will be done, meaning God is in control. He's going to be the one that ultimately is sovereign, has the power over everything. Secondly, is four words that many would probably not at all associate to be honest. But the reality is, is if I go to the book of Matthew and look at chapter 24, chapter 24 of Matthew, where he says, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him, him being Jesus and privately said, tell us when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Now, I'm not talking about the end of times. I'm not saying, you know, the peace is in the fact that it might be near. There is peace in that for me as a Christian, as a believer. But it's the words of Jesus that I find peace in because he says, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Because these things must happen. These things must take place. Those four or five words, depending on your translation, I have found comfort in. These things must happen. If it is the end times, if it is the Antichrist conversation, if all of these conspiracies that people are diving into uh, 
you know, deeply, <laughs> might right. I add. Mm -hmm. If it is, there shouldn't be panic or fear or arguing. He, he tells us these things must happen. If if this is what times we're talking about, do not be alarmed. These things must happen. And, you know, I, I think about that and realize, you know, how have we allowed the fear of those things to turn into arguing and bickering and anger toward other people? Telling people they they must wake up, they must this, they must that. You know, yeah, they do need to be aware. But do we really need to be angry over these things? Yeah, the last the last time I checked, Philip, anger wasn't a fruit of the spirit. Amen uh, to that. You know, yeah, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And I know in our prayer group, our, our series of devotions we've been doing, we, we had a a series of, of uh, devotions on the fruit of the spirit, and I think it's been very appropriate. I, I love reading those and knowing those those fruit. But I always find it interesting that the same Paul who shares you know, the fruit of the spirit, he makes a, a statement and I've been studying Paul some in my, in my, in my quiet times, in my, in my study time. And in verse 12 of the first chapter of Philippians, it's interesting that he says, now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And I think about Paul and I think about what, what happened in his life to this point. What, what are some things that had happened in his life? How many life-changing experiences or life-altering, I should even say, experiences had he been through when he writes this letter to the church at Philippi? And I think about that in, in, in the framework of, of us. Um, Paul, despite everything that he was enduring, he, he found a way to, to worship, to recognize that the things that, that he was going through helped him to push the gospel of Jesus Christ forward. And I've, I've thought about that a lot lately. And I've thought about how, you know, so many times in our lives, we, we don't know what's coming next. Right. We, we've really learned that here in the last few months is we don't know. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know if, uh, you know, more positive cases are around the corner. We don't know if our own health may change as a result of what's going on. We don't know. And I think those are some of the, the most key words that we even uh, you know, find throughout God's word is, you know, I do not know, you know, Paul necessarily didn't know everything that was going to happen to him. He knew he was secure and he had peace because of his relationship with Jesus. And that's something that, that we can hang on to. You know, that's a, that's a model we can emulate, a model we can, we can hold on to. Uh, and he had a lot of things going on. Um, but really that, that, that idea of advancing the gospel that he says there is just a, it makes me think about, I think about sports terms. Mm -hmm. And I think about when you're trying to advance a, a football, when you're thinking about the game of football. You know, you, you're advancing, you're, you're trying with, with all your effort to move forward. Um, and if you're not moving forward, you're not making progress. And I've wondered very often, Philip, these last, you know, several months now, if, if this pandemic has been a way for us as believers to, to learn a new way to move forward. Well, maybe the, the ways we've tried to move forward in the past 
doesn't work the same. You know, we're not we're not moving in concert together. It's again, I'll use a football analogy. You have eleven people that have to know the play and execute the play and do everything fairly well mm-hmm. to be able to advance forward. You got somebody trying to run the ball, but is anybody blocking? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and even you know, and it comes in where sometimes everybody's doing the right job, and you still don't have that success because your foe, your enemy, your opponent has means, tricks, ways, whatever it may be, preparation, whatever they do, to try to foil what you're attempting to do. And again, that analogy, I think, really rings true when we think about, you know, our our foe in in this life. Think about, you know, Satan's schemes and, you know, his his ways and and the world's ways, how it Mm -hmm. tries to do the same thing to foil us as believers. uh, you know, they, we're constantly being tried and tested, and that that's happened way before this pandemic. Okay, that, oh yeah, absolutely. That testing and that trial has been going on, you know, uh, since day one, or well, day six or seven. We'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, since Adam and Eve were, well, were were you know tempted in the garden. Yeah, whatever day that was, <laughs> we we started <laughs> having <laughs> trouble. Um, I want to go back to those four words again, though. These mm-hmm. things must happen. Um, honestly, I began doing word studies on that and I started thinking, where are other places that Jesus said these things must happen? And one of those places again comes in a moment where I think we could all put ourselves in someone's shoes. Um, in fact, if I go backwards, uh, from where I'm going to look but we're in chapter 26 of Matthew. Uh, you go back a little bit into the chapter and you find that there's the plot to kill Jesus. And then they get to dinner and Jesus tells them where to go, how to get there. And then they come together and it says these words while they were eating. He said, truly someone will betray me. Mm-hmm. And they all start questioning and saying, well, surely not I. And then Judas says, surely not I, Rabbi. And he says, you have said it. Now, that means he knows he's explaining to Judas that he's going to. But it says while they were eating. So obviously he's telling them that he's going to be betrayed, saying it, you know, this thing will happen. So then you get down to Peter denial and Jesus predicts his denial. And he's telling Peter, these things will happen. And then we get to where Judas does betray Jesus and they come into Mm -hmm. the garden and it says that they came up, took hold of Jesus and arrested him at that moment. One of those with Jesus who we know to be Peter from another gospel took out his sword, struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus told him, put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. And then he says, or do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will provide me here and now with more than 12 legions of angels? How then would the scripture be fulfilled that say this, that say it must happen this way? Again, he's telling him there, the scripture has to be fulfilled and it must happen this way. 
So here's my full takeaway from those four words in just these little sections. One, Judas, although known to be the betrayer, ate dinner with Jesus anyway. It's not like Jesus stopped before dinner and said, hey, I know what you're going to do, so just go do it. He, during dinner, said to him, you know, someone's going to betray me. They, he then tells Peter, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me three times. And Peter's swearing that he's not, but yet he then takes Peter to the garden with him uh, anyway, knowing that Peter was going to deny him and asks him to stay awake and pray. But it's all about the this conversation of it must happen this way. These things must happen. Going back to the prophecies of the Old Testament, his life must happen in a specific way. He could have called 12 legions of angels doing the math. That's like 72,000 angels. Mm -hmm. Based on math. So he could have called a whole lot of angels to come to his aid. He didn't need a disciple to cut it, to pull out a sword. But obviously there was a moment where reaction became you know, and and then you start putting yourself in Peter's shoes. Well, Peter jumped out of a boat for Jesus. Peter walked on the water because Jesus said, come to me. And then he fell because he took his eyes off of him and he lost sight in the midst of the storm. But then we see right after this, when Jesus is against the Sanhedrin, they come up to Peter and he begins to deny Christ. Could it be because his feelings were hurt because he didn't get to do what he wanted to do in the garden? Maybe. The human came out, right? Maybe. But <laughs> the human came out of Peter a lot. Let's just put it that way. Peter, I mean, we relate to him so much on a Christian level because Peter did a lot of things without acting or without thinking. He acted quite often on impulse. But then again, Jesus was the only one who was, I think, capable of thinking through things enough uh, especially in that time with these things. But they kept, you know, those four words, these things must happen. It, it, to me, what we're seeing now happen around us in the world today is another situation of these things must happen because God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. And the scripture can speak to us through those things. I mean, I'd be interested to know your take on that because I know we've been studying different things that are leading to similar conclusions. But yeah, I mean, I, I look at uh, again, you know, thinking not just about you know with Peter and with, with Christ. I, uh, Peter's a, a great example of one who was still used by Christ, was reinstated by Christ after his resurrection. Um, just is such a, a case study of of us, a case study of us as as God's people. Um, none of us we're none of us are perfect. <laughs> uh, we all struggle. We all we all sin. We we fall short, and we, we know of Peter's shortcomings because it's recorded for us uh, in a in a book that has been read by more people around the world than any other book in any time in history. 
you know, that's, that's pretty big spotlight on, on his mistakes. And I'm, and I'm grateful, praise God that I don't have that. I'm, I, this is what I was getting ready to say. I'm thankful that my life is not being written down, at least that I know of like Peter's, right, right. um, man, that would, you know, but as I look at the apostles and, and even Paul, you know, the qualifications of the apostle was that they walked with Jesus in his ministry uh, had that encounter with him, that personal encounter. Now, obviously, we can't have an apostle today necessarily. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, from for all intents and purposes, you can't find where Paul met him otherwise in his actual ministry on earth. But you do see that he used that as his qualification because he was called directly by Christ himself um, in that conversation. But what we see in the apostles or in Peter himself, even is this humanity that leads us to relate. He's a fisherman. He's a working man. He is, you know, Matthew is a tax collector. He is, well, let's see. There's nine marginal individuals what was it? Nine fishermen, a tax collector, and two others. I, I can't remember. I have a breakdown somewhere. I've I've spoken on it before, but it's escaped my mind right now. Let's just simply say Jesus chose the marginal to be his disciples. He chose those that society did not want things to do with. Like they we're pushing them to the side. They would have never listened. These men were not qualified. How did they know these things? All they've done is follow a man around. I mean, this is what you're hearing. And they don't even understand how Jesus knows these things. I mean, at 12, the man's sitting in the temple telling them things about the gospel. You know, so what's what's the thing with that? Like, none of them were qualified in the Pharisees' terms. Oh, sorry, I, I missed the last part of what you That's said. It. Can you repeat that? Yeah, no, none of them were qualified according to the Pharisees. Right? <laughs> uh, I love technology. I, it, it was frozen and then I see right. Oh. <laughs> right or whether I should disagree with you. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll count down and, and start there. Um, so, all right, so... You've got all these men. I will will interrupt you, though, Philip. I will say, kind of back to what the part I I, I kind of did get to there here was about how Christ ministered to, through the disciples at least Mm -hmm. in their case, the the, the marginal. You you look throughout throughout the Gospels, you know, Jesus, that was his, that was his, that was his MO. I I think about the man with leprosy, you know, for, for Jesus was 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 heading in another direction somewhere and and this in his ministry this leper comes to him and and Jesus heals him you know one of the last things that, first of all you know a priest you're not to touch anything unclean this man had had a disease that was uh encompassing his his body and had you know taken you know had caused him to be quarantined right to a leper colony you know had to be you know set aside somewhere and Jesus though we would agree as a, as a high priest, as a, as a, as a rabbi, you know, it was, it was totally counter what the, the, the Jewish 
you know, tenants would have been right. to even be anywhere near this, this leper. Well, and that's what I was saying. Like every one of these guys were marginal and the Pharisees were the religious leaders. So they qualified people mm-hmm. by their teaching, by their reaction. These men, including Jesus, were not qualified in their eyes to do what they were doing. Right. And as you mentioned the leper there, and, and I'll let you continue that thought here in a moment, but as you're saying, Jesus even having contact with them leads you to believe he would have been shunned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what, what did he say to the Pharisees? He said, you know, it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And, you know, he, he used that as kind of the, a qualifier throughout his ministry that his 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 whole purpose was to seek and save that which was lost and that's why he passed along to us um, you know and and peter i think it took him a while to to understand that and i really believe that it, it took a long time for him i mean he even even after christ's resurrection you know he had issue with with paul regarding the judaizers and whether whether a, a believer had to be circumcised first and and undergo that Jewish ritual before they could become a Christian. And Peter and Paul, they they, they butted heads on that. Uh, they they had disagreements. So even even these these giants of, of the Christian faith didn't always agree with each other. Well, okay, let's go to a statement that we've heard many times, and that is God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And Adam and Eve, Adam was created. Adam fell. Abraham. God called him the night after he had been at a celebration to the moon God. So was he living that life in a, in where he should have been? No. Uh, David, do we need to go into detail <laughs> about David's life? Um, David's life was far from perfect, but called a man after God's own heart. Um, Moses wasn't allowed into the promised land because he broke the covenant that, you know, he did something wrong and God punished him. Um, Peter, God showed Peter a sheet and said, eat what you will. Don't call anything I've made unclean. And then you get to the conversation you're saying, and, and Paul took exception to that because not only did Peter make that choice, Paul calls him out for bringing Barnabas into the mix, mm-hmm. saying you caused him to stumble. And so Barnabas stumbles because of Peter's decision. Yeah, we're... We're not that far off. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And so, I mean, the reality is we shouldn't expect the best out of everyone. No. But we should strive to be the best version of the Christ follower that, that we can be. I mean, we, we can we can strive for that. I mean, you know. Uh, but is it fair to expect everyone to be you or is that adding your opinion to the mix I mean and yeah. I, it's a tongue in cheek question obviously but right right 
yeah, you, you can't expect everyone to be you. I mean, uh, the the uh, maybe a, a fault that that we have as as uh, humanity, I guess, as individuals, is we we always. Uh, I don't want to say always. I'm not okay. I'll say it anyway. Always, we 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 always maybe have a tendency to to want to, as you said, quantify, qualify where somebody is on this on this scale mm-hmm. of how holy of how faithful, of how, um, you know, how faultless, how strong, how much of a leader, how, it, you know, insert whatever qualification here you want as a believer, you know, uh, you know, brother, brother, Billy Bob, boy, he's, he's holy. Yeah. He's a, he's a holy, he's a holy person, you know, sister, you know, sister Grace, she's, she's, boy, she's a prayer warrior. She's got a good name. Very well be true. <laughs> What's that? I said, she's got a good name. Yeah, they may very well be really, really high, and, you know, and, and, and have great, you know, great marks in those areas. But there are always other areas in our lives where we struggle, you know, other areas where we, we that maybe people don't recognize right. that, that we have hard times with that we that we aren't as faithful in, you know, maybe we maybe we have an issue with gossiping or maybe we have a um, uh, some other demons or something that we that we fight and deal with it's like like we spoke with earlier we, we were speaking about a, a christian music artist rich mullins and just our our mutual just enjoyment of his music and and uh just uh respect for the ministry he had during his life um but again he was someone that we both agreed far from perfect uh, he, although he he contributed greatly to the to the world of, of christian music the world of uh, even you know i would even argue in in, in just helping in, in personal faith of individuals, uh, he would never say he was perfect. You know, and quotes I've read from him and, and, and things I've heard him say uh, on, you know, recordings really attest to that. You know, and again, I go back to saying, you know, I'm glad there isn't a book being written immediately, at least here on this earth of my life. I know there is a time where I'm going to give account for my life. It's going to be laid out before me. We're all going to face that. It's going to happen you know, before, before almighty God, not before man, uh, man ordained. Uh, And and I think it's important, not, not just as a way of fear to remember that, uh, but I think it's, I think it's more of a charge to us. It's more of a, a call, if you will, calling, I'll say that, that we, that we push forward that we press forward as, as God's people, that even in the midst of times like this, times when, there's a great uncertainty. There is divisiveness. There are distinct camps of different opinion on, on everything from going to school to wearing a face covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- there are various camps. I was uh, just saying to a coworker the other day, you have, you know, one extreme and you have another extreme and a lot of folks that are somewhere in the middle. Well, and everybody's opinion <laughs> is the truth to them. Their truth. Yes. It, it, yes, there's a place that we're in right now as a society we've never been before that I can that in our lifetime anyway. And that is that everybody's opinion is their truth and you have to conform to that. No one's willing to learn. Um, but I want to say this. We're not far off again, like we've been saying, and we're comparing Peter. We're comparing Paul. We're comparing these uh, you know, Stephen was stoned for not having the opinion of the Pharisees. 
and Paul held the coats. Paul then mm -hmm. became a man with the same opinion of Stephen after an experience. And, you know, and I've heard the question asked of people, well, what if it was one of yours? What if it was your family member? What if it was someone close to you? What if it was this? What if it was that? And we ask all these questions. Um, I look at the scripture, just the book of Matthew is all I'm really looking at right now. I mean, I haven't even skipped past that book because there's so many good examples in it for us. If we want to look at something and think about today's times and see examples of it, the book of Matthew speaks directly to a number of things. Just look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 11, they were on their way. Some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. After the priest had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this. Money speaks. Money talks. And so in a society where we're dealing with a lot of different sides, money is speaking. What's going to make that person the most money, so that point of view is what they're going to buy into. And you're right, I agree. <laughs> um, but at the same time, but you know, what does money bring you as well? In our in our culture, in our society, you know, money can bring power, and and that's been that's been a hot topic uh, in our society. Yeah, at least in this state in which we're originating, the whole issue of power. Who has power to do what? Who can do this? Who can do that? Right. You know, can we have a, a you know an offset? Can we have a balance of power? Can we have a uh, you know uh, the, and it just this this tension that, mm -hmm. that continues? It, it's all it's all it's on a local level as far as our state goes, as we've talked earlier about. Um, but on a national level, we see it as well. And I'm not going to get political. That's not my point. In, well, no, absolutely that, not. That that statement. I won't let you. But but. But but there is but there is is that there's a friction that we can't deny that is taking place and and again what happens is uh, you know religion I, I'll use that word religion even though I don't don't like using it very often uh, I, but anyway religion comes into it people will utilize religion as their uh, basis for defining or their basis of why they do what they do or don't do what they don't do. Right. And it's like, well, here we are getting in the fight. We'll just gra drag God right in the middle of it. You know, that, that kind of idea. Why shouldn't um, we? The scripture tells us yeah. to keep God as the center of our conversations. Keep your conversation yeah. in heaven. Yeah. And he should be. And, you know, but but twisting his word or twisting what, what he has told us, um, you know, through through history, through scripture, through experience, to, to twist that to what we want to conform it to. I think that's where you have the danger. I think that's where that that's where the trouble lies, um, where we where we take the word and say, OK, the word says this. But for this situation, it's going to say that uh, it's going to it's going to prove my point here where someone else might take that same passage or that same verse or that same truth and say, well, as you said earlier, my version of truth. Here's my version of truth. Here's what I believe that says. And, and you say, again, both people, both instances feel in their heart of hearts that they're right and they're justified and then you have this tension you know throughout history was that done that's i don't know that's split churches that's mm -hmm. split denominations 
that's 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 split families for that matter. Well, I saw I, I saw an interesting uh, picture the other day. Uh, it had two light sources, and it had in the middle a cylinder that's laid on its side. Well, one light source sheds a light on a backdrop and it's a square as a shadow. The other coming from the circular end of it puts a circle as a shadow. So you have a circle on one, a a square on the other, and it's saying both are right based on Mm -hmm. the perspective, but sometimes you need to back up and see the whole story. Sometimes you have to back up and look at the perspective of all sides before making decisions and do we have a problem with that or maybe we just need to step back and switch the light on in the room well there's that too (laughs) but i mean do we have a problem with that if you get i believe if you get to a point that that whatever that perspective is I, i firmly believe that that whatever you gauge as a perspective, you know, it, it has to be weighed by this. You know, it has to be weighed by the word. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the word is, is the, you know, the infallible word of God is what we go by. That's what we, we adhere to. And I think you have to not only read the word for what the word says and what you read as the words within the word, but you also have to see the context, see the meaning, um, understand where it came from. You know, that verse I, I mentioned earlier from uh, Philippians 1, verse 12, you know, about uh, uh, Paul making that comment. I can't remember. I was trying to remember it from, from my head again. I can't remember. Let me let me find it real quick here. Yeah. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Mm-hmm. When I said think about what's happened, think about perspective. I, I, I don't know if we would have even the book of Philippians if Paul and Silas hadn't been jailed in Philippi. I you see know, that. If they hadn't had the experiences that they had, it wouldn't have produced the results of some of the things that we see in ministry, that we've seen in Paul's ministry. You mentioned earlier about being marginal. And Paul, if you if you looked at Paul's qualifications, which in, in that one famous verse, I guess it's in Second Corinthians, I want to say that he, he you know, he reminds people that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. You know, we know he learned under Gamaliel. We know he had all this this high pedigree as one of the, the sharpest minds within uh, within the Jewish ruling council. Seems like he'd have quite the pedigree to be quite the one to be uh, a teacher and a leader. But again, he was a religious leader that that completely did a 180. Right. And his whole mindset changed after an encounter with Jesus that told him, oh, all those things are great, but I'm paramount. <laughs> you're going to follow me. You're going to you're you're going to be my ambassador. You're going to be my apostle. You're going to be my, my, my teacher. You're going to be mm-hmm. the one who is sharing my gospel. And yes, Paul, I'm sure Paul used those skills that he had learned throughout his life to, to minister. We, we look even as, as uh, in Acts, uh, we go to where he goes to Athens. And that, that sermon he delivers uh, to, to the Greeks in Athens says, you know, I've walked around your fair city and I've seen all these different, uh, these, all these different statues and all these different, uh, um, setups for 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 these many many gods, and I, as I was walking through, I even see this one that says to an unknown god, because they wanted to make sure they covered everything. 
Oh yeah. You know, those Greeks, they wanted to make sure that they had every, you know, no stone unturned. They didn't want to miss a God in any way. They had, you know, they had their Zeus, they had all the other, you know, all the other great, the great gods that they followed, you know, uh, but they didn't want to miss one. So they had that to an unknown God, just in case they didn't have one, you know, ready. And Paul was brazen and, and bold and, and, and uh, led by the spirit enough to say, look, I saw this, but what you claim is unknown. I'm going to tell you about. Right. And he used that way of speaking and that, that manner in which he ministered to also in his own way, reach the marginal. And, and Christ, I believe is still doing that today. Amen. I mean, he's doing it through, you know, highly educated, uh, you know, doctors of philosophy and he's doing it through, uh, you know, uh, congregation members of country preachers. <laughs> you know, it, it's not, you know, I'm just just trying to give you a, a, a you know, a two different ends of the spectrum there. But he's still, you, you, you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a, a you know, a, a, all this book learning, as they call it around these parts, to be able to, to be used for the kingdom of God. And you mentioned these people like Abraham, like David, <laughs> um, I mean, I, th- I just preached this past week on, on Jacob. You know, remember Jacob and, and his mother had this plan that, that Jacob was supposed to get his, his, uh, his father's blessing. The great deceiver. So what they do, they, they, made, they, made, you know, they made this nice bowl or whatever of, of, you know, Jacob's favorite food. And then Rebecca puts Jacob in this, this get up, whatever kind of outfit it was, and make him, you know, hairy like a Bigfoot or something. I don't know. And then with Isaac's bad eyesight he just felt that the hair that that jacob had had on his on his body and 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 gave him his blessing because that was so important was that blessing uh in that time a blessing to be passed down Uh, and jacob had intended to give it to esau because esau was jacob's favorite son or was isaac's favorite son beg your pardon right and you know and it's interesting though that when isaac finds out about the truth he refuses to take back the blessing and he was a man of principle. I mean, Isaac, yeah. You know, Isaac, for, for all, you know, his favorites. Of course, Rebecca, you know, Jacob was was her favorite. But, you know, that yeah, he still he still honored God and honored his commitment. You know, honored his his promise and that and that blessing what it was. You know, and, and but you know, we have this this long line of fallibility. <laughs> that that'd be a good that'd be a good title for a book someday. The long line of fallibility. Uh, I, I'm uh, I'm not going down that wormhole with you yet, but <laughs> I, you know we we there are faults and you know you can go through all these all all the individuals in, in scripture so many that that had their foibles you know that had their struggles yeah you, know, you mentioned Peter specifically you know he took the the sword to Malchus <laughs> very well documented <laughs> yes you know we talk about how that was well documented you know uh, you know uh, he, Paul made mistakes everywhere we, we sin and, and, and in the society in which we're in, gosh, today, you know, you have social media, the technology we have, you know, a slip up that happens today, you know, 20 years ago, maybe very few, if any people would know about, but you know, these days, if you do something, you know, if you do something stupid and somebody gets it on video, it'll spread like, well, I'll say wildfire just to be, <laughs> it'll, it'll spread like wildfire. You know, I mean, it, out there and, there's know, a reason boom. it's called viral. 
<laughs> exactly. It goes viral. Exactly. It just goes everywhere. Um, and you see it, you know, and, and it's just that magnification of mistakes. Um, but, but I'm so grateful that, that God has said, you know, you know, that, that, that we know through the Psalms, you know, of course we read that, um, uh, you know, that, that, that he's our shepherd, you know, that he prepares that table for us. And we read also that, you know, as far as the East is from the West, we read that so far as he removed our transgressions from us, uh, in him, um, that there's that, that hope that we have that, that even, even despite as fallible as we are, even in, especially in, in our society today. So, uh, so many people are so quick to, to throw stones to inside arguments mm-hmm. to, to argue just to hear what was, what was it in, in scripture? The, uh, some people, they, they speak just to hear their, their voices ring. You know, they just, just to hear the clanging of their, their own voice. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, in, we, we hear first Corinthians 13 mentioned a lot when we talk about weddings, everybody wants to go verses four through eight, read verses one through three. You know, if you have all of these things, but have not love, you're a clanging symbol. You're useless. You're, you have nothing. And Paul is very poignant to that point saying, look, the love of God must be in you regardless of how you carry yourself. The focal point of our lives has to be that love of God. Uh, I think you and I may have had this conversation earlier today, and if not, it was someone else, but I'll say it here. When we need to real, what we need to realize as Christians is the book we have to study regardless of any other book that we could ever come across commentaries, whatever the one book that we were given that we need to take the most from is God's word. And in that we have to realize one thing, the Bible, God's holy word leads us to a relationship with Jesus, the living word, And the Bible itself is a love story. The whole thing. And if you don't believe me, go to Genesis 1 and see how he formed man. It wasn't let there be man. It was let me take a pinch of this, a little bit of that. Let me put it together and form him with my own hands. We are the handiwork of God. No other creation on this earth can say that. We are the handiwork of God. We are handmade by the master. That's yeah, everything else was spoken into. Like right. I said, we read throughout the, you know, Genesis one, you know, he, he spoke and it happened, but he didn't just speak for man. You're right. Absolutely. I, no doubt about that. And so it's a love story. And so the love of God must be the most evident thing I think in us. So in a chaotic pandemic with every possible, I mean, the script for this year could not have been written by Hollywood in some realities. I mean, honestly, they tried and they called it 2012. They missed it by eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of these things that we're looking at, 
How do we put forward that love of God to find peace in the chaos of today? I think it has to start, Philip, with us realizing how deep the Father's love is for us. Beautiful song. It, by it has to. It has <laughs> to start with that. It has to start with, with how deep and 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 how, how how strong the love is that that God has for us, and, and truly recognize the the great lengths He went to, to, to tell us and show us that, that love that He has for us, um, a love that. That was not something that was coerced out of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something that uh, a love that, that that we have to freely accept and freely give, uh, freely offered by Him. And if that love isn't coursing through our veins, it's really difficult for us to to manifest that outwardly. I believe to, to others. If that love is a paramount, if something else is taking that place of, of that love, you know, they say, you know, that the, you know, we read that anything that, that is in the place of God as the top of the, the throne of our lives, it's an idol. Um, and if, if, if love isn't at the top of that, again, you know, for the fruit of the spirit is, what's the first thing? It's love. And I think that was intentional for Paul. To well, do. I think I really the other eight that. go with it. Yeah. I I really I, believe they're all part of the same group. I mean, they all are evidence that Christ is alive in you. You know, and, and, and love, love is the, the fruit um, that, you know, that, that, that first fruit of, of our relationship with, with God. Um, and, and I believe that when we let other things come in and take root, um, you know, that's that's when the salt loses its saltiness. You know, that that's when, you know, our our witness, uh, our our faith can can be tested. And that's when, unfortunately, in, in some cases, you know, our faith isn't what it needs to be or what it should be. And, and maybe that can affect others negatively. Sometimes we, we might even lead people on a way that would be um, contrary to what God's will would be and what he would desire in our lives. Well, I, I, you know, I, I keep thinking about this word, Philip, focus. That, that word keeps, I, I've got, throughout this conversation, I've kept hearing that, that idea, this, this idea of a, uh, of a focus. I did a, a series of messages uh, a while back about, it was called fixed focus, and I've had to take a lot of pictures in my newspaper job, you know. And you could have that that auto focus where, well, you you own cameras, you know this. Yeah. You, you know, you push your your shutter, your button halfway down, and what happens? That 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 lens knows to focus on whatever it's being pointed at. Uh, you know, it can be said where it's just a, a if it's auto focus, it's right that center of that photo. And I wonder if there are many times that maybe this pandemic has done it, maybe other factors in our lives have caused when we're pushing that button it, it that focus isn't coming yeah uh, it's still a still a blurred vision um and uh, i think this pandemic and a lot of believers has 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 unfortunately caused us to to lose focus that's that's i can't, or I can't say to focus on the wrong thing on the wrong thing yeah our focus is on something else because that happens too sometimes you'll push that button 
and it'll focus on something on the right side of the photo and you'll take the picture and and you want something to be in focus that that you want but it ends up being something else and the photo part that you really wanted was blurry and when that happens the photo is basically worthless now there have been times where that's happened by accident and it's really worked out well by yeah. no by no work of my own okay uh, but but that's the the point is that it, it isn't our work to start with but this idea of, of, of focusing on on Christ and focusing on our walk in him during this time you know we, we talked also earlier Philip about how the pandemic in our own lives has uh, caused us to shift our focus mm-hmm. uh, whether it be physically emotionally spiritually uh, you know to to think about areas and think about you know things that had the pandemic not taking place, maybe we would have overlooked or oh, maybe I, we would just continued on a, on a similar, absolutely. just a regular same trajectory. I firmly believe that based on what has happened to me in this, God used this time to completely shift my focus uh, from where I thought I needed to be to where I do really need to be. And Two things have come to mind in this conversation, uh, one being Peter. I mentioned him in the boat earlier. Mm-hmm. The reality of Peter getting out of the boat, Jesus called him on the water. He got out of the boat, and he didn't sink until he lost focus on Christ and began to focus on the storm. Right. As long as we're seeking him in the midst of the storm, we're walking on water, and we're fine. But we got to remember, too, Peter also walked a second time on water or he was carried one of the two. I don't know. I wasn't there, but when Jesus pulled him out, he went back to the boat. You know, when Jesus pulled him out, he had to go back to the boat. So he had to have walked on the water a second time or be carried. But the other thing that comes to mind is first Corinthians chapter seven in verse 17 Paul begins this discussion. It's almost out of place because you have a conversation to married and unmarried, but in the midst of it, you have this conversation about various situations that we might face in life. And he says, let each one live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him. This is what I command in all the churches. Was anyone already circumcised when he was called? He should not undo his circumcision. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? He should not get circumcised. And again, circumcision, obviously the covenant with Abraham that God made. But here he says, circumcision does not matter and uncircumcision does not matter. Keeping God's commands is what matters. Keeping God's commands is is what matters. And then I love this next part of the conversation. Let each of you remain in the situation in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For he who was called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price Do not become slaves of people. Brothers and sisters, each person is to remain with God in the situation in which he was called. That that whole mentality of remaining where you were when you first met Christ, when he first entered your life, 
where were you when he called you and remain in that situation don't try to fix things to make it better remain in that moment because we all know the first moment of our life anew in Christ is the best you, you know he he even told uh was it the church at was it the church at Ephesus in Revelation where he says you've forgotten your first love mm, was it Ephesus I it was one of them I'm sorry I'm I'm my brain's my I'm a, you know he tells the church he says you've forgotten your yeah, first you're love right. yeah it was Ephesus it was Ephesus and and he says he was like you had this and you forgot what it was all about mm-hmm. but the the idea of Paul just saying remain in the situation in which you were called you know because obviously there was a reason for you to now that doesn't mean that things won't come up we can't change circumstances and obviously in the conversation he's having there he's talking about this divide between the Jews and the Gentiles but just that mentality to remain in the situation in which you were called you know but if you have the opportunity to do more if that's presented to you take it and become more for Christ and he even you know throw in that conversation in if you were free when you were called you're now Christ's slave but if you were called as a slave, you are now his freed man. In other words, he still has authority over you, but you are free in Christ. And, you know, just that whole mentality, remain in the situation. It's interesting. You've talked a lot about, uh, you know, with, with Peter. And I was thinking about some things that he had said. You know, we, we read. We read about Paul talking about the suffering for Christ, and we we read about his uh, his thorn, and we read about uh, the different uh, trials and again <laughs> struggles that that he dealt with throughout that ministry. But but Peter said something in in his first letter, which I, that just struck me that I, that I had to track it down while you were talking and, and kind of put it in context too. Um, he says, however, if you suffer as a Christian in the fourth chapter in the 16th verse, he says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, he says, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Um, I don't know how often we think about praising God when we're in the middle of a storm. Uh, you know, again, Peter was in that storm. And, you know, we, we, we dwell on the fact that he did sink, the fact that he did lose focus, the fact that that, that Jesus did have to to uh, pick him up and, and he, he and got out of the boat kind of, kind of, yeah, and chide <laughs> him, you know, but Peter did, he got out of the boat, you know, he, he, he was willing to do that when the others wouldn't, you know, he, he, he was doing, he was the bold one, you know, he was the one on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's like, well, let's build a temple. Let's do this. Let's, do... let's, let's build some, t- I, let's, let's build some tents. We need to, I often need to... view Peter as the dog out of up the excited, like, ADD, if it can happen, let me put my ideas out here. Squirrel, you know. I mean, like I see Peter as that kind of guy, like because he's he often spoke without without thinking, but when he did, sometimes it was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the first time that he speaks and Jesus says, "But who do you say that I am?" and he, and without reservation, I mean, now I wasn't there, but. 
that initial statement he makes and he says, he says, you're the Christ, the son of God. You're, you're my savior. You're the Messiah. And Jesus says, man didn't tell you that that wasn't revealed to you by man. And, you know, I have a hundred percent certainty knowing what I've seen in Peter's life. I don't know that Peter fully understood what he was saying in that moment. No. But then again, I never do. So, (laughs) and with technology, you're, you're getting half of the conversation at times with me and you tonight. So, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, you don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what you're saying either. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um, but you know, this, this, this time in history, this time of where we are, you said earlier is it's just unprecedented. That's, mm-hmm. that's a word we keep hearing over and over is unprecedented. And, um, uh, a couple of verses later that, that Peter speaks there in, in that fourth chapter, uh, is just so hard. And he's very end of that fourth chapter in verse 19. I, I just love this verse. He says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I think that verse is so poignant because it tells us, it doesn't tell us you're not going to suffer. It doesn't tell us you're not going to have trials. It doesn't tell us that everything's going to be, as I like to tell my congregation, uh, sunshine, gumdrops, rainbows, and lollipops. Not going to be that all the time. Um, But Peter encourages there. Peter the rock, Peter the abrasive one, Peter, whose life was changed, Peter, who who went to prison, Peter, who was uh, able to, you know, to be used in such a mighty way, uh, was able to tell us that those of us in the will of God who suffer, that if we continue to stay faithful, if we continue to do that, continuing to do good, continue to, to, to be faithful to his name, that that we'll be all right, that, that we'll we'll get through it. With God as part of it, mm-hmm. uh, with God in our lives, uh, regardless of what it may be. And there are, Philip, so many things that try to divide us. Um, I, I, I don't like being a divider. I, I never have. I, I've always said uh, in my own life that I would much rather, if you're going to bring me a problem, I, I'd much rather hear a solution. You know, it's easy to complain about what's wrong, uh, but it's harder to roll up your sleeves and, and try to, to come up with a solution on how to. To, to help make things right, um, to try to find those those ways to to reach the masses, find those ways to 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 do right by others, to treat others as Christ would would have us uh, treat others, the way we would want to be treated, as He tells us. Um, and you know, you turn on the news, and you, you don't see a lot of that. You, you don't see a lot of it, and and it, it is it's tough, it's difficult, it's it's hard. Um, but again, that's where the 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 prism that that we look at life through the word of god like you said earlier with that cylinder you know we look through that prism of of god's word that's what clarifies things for us mm-hmm. uh, that that's that's the great clarifier uh, that that's what that's what brings to, to that clear focus for us who we are and who we are in jesus you know who we are as a child of god uh, regardless of our background uh, of our uh, color of our skin uh, denomination that we may be, um, you know, uh, as as children of the King. You said earlier we were we were formed by His own hand, and 
knowing that that same God who formed us has also said uh, that I won't leave you, that I won't forsake you. That should be heartening. That should be comforting to us, especially now. Oh, absolutely. That should be such a comfort and such a, 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 a again, an anchor to hold on to, uh, just a, something we can cling to with all our might. Well, I, you're, you're absolutely right, and I think that ultimately that's what we have to um, – that's what we have to settle in into and realize that in the midst of the chaos, we cannot allow the hatred, the opinions, the anger to override the truth. And given the names that Jesus was called, he is the ultimate truth. He is the mm-hmm. way, the truth, the life. He is the son of God. He is the good shepherd. He is the prince of peace. He is not our slave. He's not our servant. Yet he came and made himself a servant. It doesn't mean yes. we give him orders. Um, I, I was thinking of just a couple of quick things. Real, uh, One of them, I can't find the reference right now, and, and I have it marked in another Bible that I don't have with me. Uh, but Jesus, with the two who are asking, we want to sit on your right and your left, uh, James and John. Mm-hmm. It's like, we want to do whatever, or we want you to do what we ask you. You know, talking about that, putting Jesus in our box conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says, and, and, and I can imagine the conversation. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Like, it's got to be dripping with sarcasm at that point. And they answered, allow us to sit at your right and your left. And Jesus goes into the conversation and says, you don't know what you're asking. And I think we run into that conversation a lot in our lives today. We hear something somewhere. We think of something some somehow. And immediately we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're asking. But we've taken it as fact. We've jumped down this rabbit hole or this wormhole. And he says, are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And then they say, we are able, mm-hmm. much like we do. And his next response, you will drink the cup I drink. You will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. In other words, he's ultimately saying to them, I have no control over that. You you will have you will face the same things that I will and then when the other 10 heard it they begin to come you know they were upset with these two well if we look back in the scripture and we look back at the conversations and you know what is it that Jesus says to the disciples kind of going back to some of what you said about Peter a minute ago and what he wrote Jesus says to the disciples he says in this world you will have trouble this world hated me and it's going to hate you because of me. But fear not, I have overcome the world again, almost back to the conversation I started with. These things must happen. They will hate you because it hated me first. You know, they despised me because I bore the truth. I exposed them. I showed them the darkness that was their life and brought it to light. And when we live that Christian life, that's how 
he draws them in is by exposing them, but then offering grace, offering mercy, offering hope. It's not something I do. I can't, I can't lead anyone to Christ. I can only be a vessel by which he delivers the message. But in that, I believe, you know, it's not about the numbers. It's not about anything more than living an example that others can follow, which is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't tell them how to live. He showed them how to live. He may have spoken it, but how did the disciples learn? Take up your cross and follow me. You know, mm-hmm. he yeah. goes and tells him, he says, do you want to be a fisher of men? Follow me. The whole ministry of Jesus was about follow me. Be led. Be led. Psalm 139. People use that to talk about some things. But David at the very end of that says, Lord, search me. Know the wickedness in me. Know what wicked ways are in me. And then he says the words, lead me in the way everlasting. This is a man that didn't know Jesus. Lead me in the way everlasting. Because Jesus didn't come until he came out of the line of David. Mm -hmm. But he was not David's. he, he, He hadn't come. David didn't know of the way that Jesus led. But he asked God to lead me in the way everlasting. You mentioned the verse earlier, I've told you these things in me, you may have peace in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the disciples, you know, they, they followed Jesus, they walked with him, they spent three and a half years with him, pretty much in, in ministry. They saw him do these, they, they, they saw him do so many things. They heard him teach so many things. But it's right before that verse. That, that I've always found really intriguing uh, when Jesus is, is telling them these things and he says uh, in that chapter 16 though I've been speaking fairly a time will come where I'll no longer use this kind of language to tell you plainly about my father tells him that day um, you'll ask him my name and in uh, that day yeah you'll ask him my name I'm not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf no the father himself loves you because you have loved me and I believe that I came from God I came from the father and entered the world now I'm leaving the world and going back to the father Jesus wraps this whole this discourse of what he's teaching them in the upper room. And then verse 29, the Jesus' disciples said, Now you're speaking clearly. Now you're speaking without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that uh, you, you do not even need to, to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Yeah, what took so long? <laughs> yeah, and he even says, do you now believe? She's like it's like Jesus is saying, "Now, Re- really, now you're getting okay. You now believe. Uh, a time's coming when, in fact, uh, uh, and in fact has come when you'll be scattered." And he says, "Each to your own home. You'll leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone. My Father's with me." Right. And that's what he says right before that. What you mentioned earlier. Yeah, but I mean, I love it that he healed a blind man. He made uh, the lame to walk. He caused. Uh, the lepers to be healed. He raised a man from the dead. Multiple people from the dead, really. I mean, Jerry's daughter yeah. and all these. And yet it took this for them to say, oh, you mean 
that's who you are. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's, yeah, like, it's like, huh? It's like this, these <laughs> aha moments. Yeah. And you know, we have them too. We, we have those aha moments too. Uh, when something happens and it's like, you know, it's uh, like when the old VA commercial, wow, I should have had a VA. You know, you have this aha moment. Yeah. Um, but you just, you realize that's what you're teaching me or that's what, that's what you're trying to get at. And I know in my life, there have been times where that, that aha moment has taken a long right. time for it to register uh, because of either my own stubbornness, because of my own ignorance or my lack of complicity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of those well, uh, that it's had multiple times and multiple instances. And when God needs to get our attention, he will. And I know we're, we're probably going to need to wrap this up, but okay. you know, one thing, I mean, we can sit and talk for hours. I'm, I'm good. I, I'm just trying to think of uh, the people. And we usually do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> true true that true that no i god will get her attention in in many ways and what i think is interesting is uh you know obviously john chapter 12 jesus does predict his crucifixion to the people it says there were greeks among them who went up to worship at the festival you go through this whole thing and jesus gets to this part and he says now my soul is troubled what shall i say father save me from this hour but that is why i came to this hour father glorify your name and this is one of those verses that I never thought about much growing up. The end of verse 28, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And then the crowd standing hears it and say it's thunder. Others say an angel has spoken to them or to him. And Jesus responds and says, this voice came not for me, but for you. And he says, now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, I am lifted up from the earth and I will draw all people to myself. We hear that verse quite often in the church, but we don't think about the fact that there was a voice that spoke. Some heard thunder some seemingly heard clearly what was said. And Jesus says, that voice wasn't for me. That was for you. That was to get your attention, to let you know. But, you know, based on what it said, it wasn't angels. The voice that came from heaven, yeah. Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And it says, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. He will get our attention. <laughs> In whatever way he needs to and however he sees fit. And so he he's sitting there and he's giving them all of this. And, um, you know, the book of John really breaks us into this entire conversation of Jesus entire ministry was to foretell. The prophecies truth uh, up to the point of where. Everything up to this point has been about me and everything from this point forward will be about me also. And so if you ever have questions, God will get your attention and Jesus is the one that it's all about. Plain and simple. God's word is about Jesus and only Jesus. It's about how he interacted or what he did for us. I mean, because the Old Testament 
points to him. The New Testament speaks of him. And the prophets or the apostles, the, the letters refer to him. I mean, everything's pointed at him. Yeah. And so, oh, absolutely. so, so with focus, if the Bible's focused on him, makes sense that our focus should be also right. <laughs> you would think, yeah, you would think that wouldn't you? Funny how it works that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a whole lot happening here. I love, I, I, I love these conversations and I, you know, I don't want to muddy the water for anyone. Obviously we're talking about making sure that we figure out the way to treat others I don't know if we did that I mean we did because everything points to Christ as does the word itself Christian Christ like Christ follower so the easy answer we could have given in the first two minutes of this conversation is simply treat others like Christ would have right Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely but then what would we have done had to fill another 58 minutes? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it is going to be a two-parter at this point, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, folks are going to hear this. But the reality is that as we look at this, you know, if you want to know who Jesus is, open the word. And if you want to live like Jesus, apply it to your life. Uh, trust or, or really just allow the spirit to take hold and he will do it for you. It's his spirit. It's the helper that he promised. He said, I will send you a helper. So, you know, and we've looked at a lot of word, a lot of scripture here. Uh, but the reality is that there's there's so much more that we could look at to speak to what we're talking about. But we don't want to do we don't want to read it all to you. You know, <laughs> open the word and, and you study it yourself. Again, yes, absolutely. It date. Yeah, any any listener or watcher, dig in for yourself. Don't accept don't accept someone else's view of of Christ. And if that the has preacher happened, said that it, happens so much in, in churches today and societies today that uh, societies you know at times where we just go with what the preacher says, you know, or we just go with what we listen in a, to. In a society that's so obsessed with fact checking, it's amazing how little people fact check the pastors. Mm-hmm. I encourage it. If if you think we've said something wrong, fact check it. Let me know. We'll 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 redact it if we need to. If there's something in the in here that we've said that is misleading, then let us know. We'll take it out. We'll clarify in another conversation. Whatever. Um, but definitely do appreciate you taking the time to to talk with us here, and um, you know and. At the end of part one, I would have prayed for you. So uh, I would like to, because, uh, you know, that's how I, that's how I roll here. So uh, part one, will have a prayer just so you know, that has, I will pray for you and your ministry at the church and the church. Uh, so I'd like to ask you to pray, uh, to close this out, pray for the folks that have heard it and uh, the ministry that we will um, move forward with, uh, you know, just however that, that this will fall in the right ears. Uh, but, Again, you know, to find peace in the times that we're in right now, in how we treat others and how we live and how we react and how we love, 
uh, really, ultimately, it comes down to be Christ-like. Yeah. And, you know, if you need those answers, if if you're not comfortable with that answer, be like Peter. Be like Paul. What was it? Paul even told people. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you're having trouble with the imitation of yeah. Christ, imitate me and as I imitate him. Because the example will be the same. So I'd like to ask you to pray as we close. And uh, again, thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. Okay. Absolutely appreciate it. Let's, let's pray. Father, I just thank you that we have our identity through you. And Father, I thank you that we can focus upon you, that even in, in the, the different stories we've shared and the different instances in your word, we've seen how even with, with someone like the Apostle Peter getting out of the boat, such a, such a great uh, testament of faith that when he lost focus of the sight on you is when he began to sink in the storm. Uh, Lord, I pray that in our own lives that we don't lose that focus. I pray that even in the storm of this pandemic, even in the storm of health issues, in the storm of financial issues, in the storm of where we don't know where the, the next uh, you know paycheck or bill being paid may come from, we know, Lord, that if we stay focused on you, uh, Lord, that, that we'll get through this, whatever this may be. And Lord, I, I pray for Philip tonight. Lord, I pray for his ministry. I pray for him, Lord. I pray you would uh, help him to remain healthy. I pray that you would help him to remain a, a, a clarion call, Lord, in our community uh, of your love and your wisdom and grace and, and what you mean and your great love for us uh, in this broken world. Lord, I just pray that you would help anyone who's listening, anyone watching today. Uh, I pray that they would find that inner peace that can only come from you. Uh, that peace that passes all understanding, as your word tells us. May we understand that that peace is what brings us uh, to that place of closeness with you. Knowing that everything that we say and do should be focused on, on glorifying you and your kingdom. Uh, bringing you all the honor and all the glory that you so richly deserve. I pray you would go with us. I, I ask, Lord, that that uh, throughout this time and each day of our lives, that we would be your servants, that we would demonstrate to others that example of what it means to be committed and, and, and loving you, as you have so richly loved us by demonstrating your sacrifice on the cross for us so many years ago. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. We are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to Where the Wild Things Aren't.